yo, 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 this is the Christmas edition. Christmas is on a Saturday. That's right. We normally would put one out. So it's going to come out either before then or after that. But we're recording a few days before that. We're going to do one that we probably should have done, you know, a month ago when you guys were revving up for Christmas. And the word it is is consumer ism you know that's in, right in this day and age it's like we've cared more about the presents and the gifts and those are good things and please um i'm calling it now i'm gonna get half my gifts are gonna be closed and it's not exciting but in the at, long run it's at pretty this good. age yeah, that's yeah. pretty good <laughs> at 30 i thought i wouldn't get there till 40 here we are right so um it, we're the brokenness to faith podcast we're gonna kick it in real quick, full gear real quick i gotta say this was actually a a topic that was requested by a listener um they sent an email to brokenness to faith was it one of our parents it was not one of our parents surprisingly um they sent an email uh brokenness to faith at gmail.com of oh. course i checked the email almost every day and i saw that this particular individual you know you who no you life. are yeah i that's true do they go to our church uh, not recently, but, <laughs> um, but anyways, they, even they, oh, <laughs> they sent, um, they sent in the suggestion because I assume cause Christmas was coming around and shopping season. So I just wanted to say that not only to let them know that we pay attention, but if well, you, you have a, attention. yeah, I pay attention. I don't check our freaking email, but I say that, that if you have a suggestion or something you want us to talk about, please let us know because this is an episode that we are doing not only because it's a good topic and a good time of year to talk about it, but this was something that somebody requested. So I wanted to say that not only to give them a shout out, but also, you know, if you're listening and there's something that you say, oh, this would be a fun topic or whatever, send us an email. See, um, see the joke was we, do we don't it. check our, we don't update our Instagram, but we do we check, check our email. email. <laughs> so, you know, well, when I say we, I mean Noah, but what I mean is because by we're extension, together. By extension, yes. By extension, so I technically... I'm a part of it, so I get credit for that too. We're talking about consumerism days before Christmas. Hopefully, you guys heard that. Just farted. This is we don't care what. <laughs> I'm gonna mute think. it. I'm gonna mute it if it no. comes up. It's mute it. So this, they're not hearing it one way or the this other. Is, <laughs> then you're gonna mute this whole conversation rather right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is consumerism, and I just consumed the pizza before I before we came in I, here. I guess it's so. No one said we're professional. <laughs> That's true. Before we get into consumerism, one more thing. I used to like, I know I need people say you need to work on your language. I used to say, well, we're not, we're not like, um, we're, we're not like, we're not, uh, the church doesn't like pay us to do this, right? We're not sponsored by the church. But then it hit me after every church video, they have the little announcement screen. Right. And it says, check out, and it shows the two podcasts. <laughs> the the We Carry the Fire podcast that Matt hasn't updated in a while, Pastor Matt hasn't updated in a while. And then ours, I'm like, oh, well, if ours are on there, I mean, I'm not asking <laughs> them to put it on there, then I should probably watch my tongue a bit. So here we are. We'll but see. I think it's on the website, too. We'll see <laughs> how many minutes, minutes that last. I get fired up about something. It is what it is. <laughs> Consumerism. Let's get it. You start. Let's I got go. some stats. I guess I'll run through these stats. The skinny. Um, just some general stats on uh, consumption in America, and then I'll, the last one actually ties a little bit into 
the church as well, and we'll go from there and see what we get. Um, these were from 2014, so it's a little bit dated, but um, I think it's still mostly true, but just take it with a grain of salt. These are in old a few statistics. Days, in, in, in two weeks, that would be eight years ago. That's crazy. Uh-huh. I graduated in 2010. What the heck am I doing with my life? <laughs> Dang. Um, enough K-cups were thrown out in 2014 to circle the earth 12 times. K-cups. Is Those that are the, the, little, the little coffee cups. And you, you put, put in the, in the thing. And yes. I don't drink coffee, people, so I get my energy from <laughs> yeah. sunlight and God. So um, We have one here at the church, and... I have one pretty much every time I come into this building. I Along put one of those little K-cups. Yeah. Um, enough thrown out to cover the earth 12 times. That's a lot of K-cups. Um, nearly 40% of food in America goes to waste. It's about $165 billion of food every year is wasted. Um, not you. Crazy. You That's barely 40%. eat anything. You, may, you eat like two meals a day. That's true. I don't waste much because I don't eat much. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think I'm part of that, but still... Uh, 40% is a lot. Um, in America, more money is spent on fashion accessories, which includes shoes, watches, and jewelry, than on college tuition. That's totally me. <laughs> I totally am about the fashion. I can tell with the the watch that you're not wearing, the jewelry the one that you're not wearing. The one watch I have Pokemon watch I got at Walmart. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and everybody ex- complains about how expensive college tuition is, but... People just stop buying shoes, watches, and jewelry. It would be fine. I'm calling it now. If I ever get married, my wife better know fashion or else we're both screwed. <laughs> both of us. Sorry. <laughs> it just is what it is. Um, so nearly half the world's toys are in America. Despite only making up 3% of the global population of children, American kids consume 40% of the world's toys. We're also a first world country, so we have more money to, to right, buy those toys. The point is we consume a lot of toys. <laughs> do uh do uh pocket monster cards count? Uh probably. I, I guess that means we're part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> um US homes on average contain more TVs than people. Dude, said which it is me me and Noe, there's two of there's us two people. And we have three TVs. Mm-hmm. One in the living room. One in his room. Those are flat screens. Now my TV is like fifteen, twenty years old, so I don't know if that it still counts. Still TV, it, yeah. But it, it it was called a flat screen at one point, but it has the fat back with all the wires. And, right. So. Yeah. Um, it says on average, U.S. houses have three working television sets. So you're you're average. My parents have three TVs too that are set up, and there's only two of them. Right. So, dang, that's <laughs> that's nuts. Um, and here's the last one that I think is crazy. So this little article with the stats came out um i think right before black friday of 2014 right so it was kind of uh in preparation for black friday spending right Mm -hmm. so this one says that in that weekend of black friday americans spend 57.4 billion dollars right on that weekend and for the entire year americans gave 103 billion to churches so just in the black friday weekend alone Americans spent about half of what they gave to churches the entire year of 2014. Yeah. Um, and that's the last one that I wanted to, to end on because it kind of, I think, is somewhat of a good platform of what we're talking about in that, you know, when it comes to, and, and I don't really know if I have a specific point in mind here, but when it comes to how we spend our money, 
you know, when it comes to things like giving to the church or even just charities in general, we can often become very stingy, very, you know, oh, as long as I just give my my 10%, then I'm okay, you know, and we try to get by with just that bare minimum. But then when it comes to everything else, we're willing to just go crazy, you know. And just like that statistic said, you know, we spend more on Black Friday weekend as a country or half as much as we do on the church the entire year, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think, and I, I'm assuming this will be a common thread throughout our conversation, is that a lot of it comes down to what you have as a priority in your life. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a common theme. Just before we even get into anything, we have no, I have no idea what Mark is thinking or what he's going to say, and I don't know what I'm going to say, but I feel like we're going to come back to this idea of what our priorities are and what we choose to focus on, you know? And I think it's become a common problem today where our focus is on all these different things, you know, the new car, mm-hmm. the new clothes, the the better house, the, you know, more comforts. And it takes away our focus from the more important things like church and, you know, relationships and the people in our lives and things mm-hmm. like that. And where our focus is, that's where our our money is going to be spent. That's where our, you know, as the scripture says, you know, where our treasures will be stored is where our heart is and where our focus yeah. is, right? And, and that's kind of what consumerism comes down to is what we choose to focus on and put our priorities mm-hmm. on, right? I I, uh, I I always find it funny how, whether it's consumerism or not, how certain people, how we think of priorities in our finances. Right. You know, like, so I ate out, like the other day, I ate out with you and Shane. Shout out to Shane. Um, get him on an episode while he's in town. Mm. And we had, we had Olive Garden, right? And it was a Saturday night. We went to the store and we went to Olive Garden. And between the two, I, I got some gifts for White Elephant Gift Exchange. But then I spent like 20 bucks or something, 25 bucks. Right. And then I, I said I would take out Shane because he's only in town for a few weeks. Um, so I paid for his meal at Olive Garden. And with tip, and I always tip generously, even though I don't make a lot of money. Good. Um, although I am getting a raise in January, not the minimum wage raise either. I'm getting Ooh, a bigger one. Yeah. Nice. So, but that was like 50-something bucks, right? right? But that's okay. It's Olive Garden. It's good. And he's only in town. So between the two, if you round up, I spent 75 bucks. Right, I don't think much of it, but I go to the grocery store, and I'm spending around thirty bucks. And I'm thinking, mm, I'm getting, this is getting to be a little much for me. But it's like that grocery store, thirty bucks at the grocery store is getting me four, or five meals, you know, depending on what it is, maybe six meals. Right. But that one good. meal, now granted, it was I was I paid for Shane too, but that that fifty five bucks or whatever it was at Olive Garden, that was just one meal. And even if it wasn't Shane and I ate there twice for a total of 55 bucks, I got two meals for 55 bucks and I have no qualms about it. I don't, I don't overthink it. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's nothing. But when I go to the grocery store and I spend 30 bucks on like right. banana, cereal, or crispy treats, you know, whatever, raisins. I'm naming all the healthy stuff, but I'm not going to tell you all the <laughs> others. Multi-grain Cheerios. Okay. But um, then it's like I'm getting like, oh, man, it's kind of a lot. I'm like... But where are our priorities? And when it comes to consumerism, it's funny because you need to buy things. You need food to survive. But people complain, I just don't 
It's just I'm not making enough money right now. While while for lunch they were scarfing down fifteen dollars at McDonald's. And I'm not saying you can't eat out and that helps businesses, but that fifteen if you're hurting for money, fifteen dollars at at Ralph's or Vaughn's or Albertson's or even at the dollar store if you get creative could give you three meals. Right. You know? But the thing is with consumerism, the point I want to get to now is is it's because we're not content. We're not content with some frozen pizza for four bucks at the store. We have to get Bill's pizza for twenty two bucks. <laughs> I love Bill's pizza. And there's a time and place for Bill's pizza. But we're not content with certain things, so we have to have the better thing and then that that costs us more money. Right. right? Or we think my kid won't be satisfied with just two gifts. I have to get them four or five. Well, they won't be satisfied with that because you as a parent train them to be that way, whether you recognize it or not. And so here's something on contentment. Hebrews 13.5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. Right? And I want to read another... Um, a parallel of it. Um, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. <coughs> and so, right here, um, covetousness, you know, what? what is the other one I read say? It says, um, free of love of money. But I like this one, covetousness, because like, what do you, co- does this have to be money? Right. It could be like a different form of lust, lust for power, lust for different things. We have to have things. Give me, give me, give me. And what's the opposite of that is contentment. You know, often covetousness and greed are excused or even admired in today's culture and are simply called ambition. Like when we covet things, people say, I want to be the best of the best. And there's nothing wrong with which was striving to be the best. Because the Bible talks about doing the best we can with you know all of our hands. It talks about being a great example. And to be a great example, we have to give it all we got. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it consumes us, that's a problem. When we're consumed with getting the newest iPhone, even though it, it's you know 2% different than the last one, but you just have to have it. Right. <laughs> you know, like, why? When you, have a, when you know people who trade out their car every other year because they just have to have the newest one. I'm not saying we can't have cars and we can't... I'm not saying we have to go back to Bible times or what we have, you know, the, the ways they did and walked everywhere. And, like, we can we have should, these things. We should do what the Flintstones do. <laughs> yeah. They're just feet power. Yeah, feet power. <laughs> um, Sunday mornings, MeTV, 10 and 10.30. That's when the Flintstones oh. run. I catch it. I only watch really two channels on my antenna. <laughs> ABC, and I usually just watch the news at night as I fall asleep and leave it on. And the Flintstones. Well, Saved by the Bells on first. Right. And then the Flintstones. Because I sleep in Sundays, and then I come at the end of the second service. But the Flintstones low-key has got some funny stuff. <laughs> Not some kids' jokes, either. Oh. So, be careful. But, you know, we need to learn to be content. Right. And I, I've thought of this, and I know it's not exactly about consumerism, but when we are consumed with, like, other people. For a while, I felt like, I just want to get married... I'm the only one my family hasn't gotten married. I just want to meet a you know, godly woman. But I was thinking all these things while I was living deep in sin. And even when I wasn't deep in sin, I still had the mindset of I just have to be, I just, I want to meet someone. I want to get married so badly. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I had to learn 
And even though I say it in my prayer time, I have to, I tell God sometimes I don't really mean it in my life, but help me to mean it is, help me to be content with just you. Right. And if I can be content with just the Lord, then anything else that comes my way, like this pay raise coming up in January, you know, not just the minimum wage, I'm getting a, an actual pay raise. You know, if that comes my way, great. If I meet a godly woman who can put up with my craziness, my loudness, you know, my my the things, the hill, all the thousands of hills I'm willing to die on over the stupidest things, you know, it it, it that that's that would be great. Right. But if I cannot be content with just me and God, then I will never be content with me, God, and a wife. If I cannot be content with just me and God, I won't be content with me, God, and that nice house. You know, and, and I love what. I don't want to get political here, but I am going to name a guy who I really like, Mike Huckabee. He used to be, uh, ran for president twice, got third one time, got like a millionth the next time, sadly. And um, he didn't make it. He was governor of Arkansas, but he shares his testimony. He's a legitimate Christian, not just those ones that check mark it off the paperwork uh, when you're... Political Christians. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he's actually a Christian conservative, not a conservative Christian. He does his. He's not Christian because he's conservative. He he calls himself conservative because he's a Christian. He, you know whatever. But he said, you know, when he was running and he didn't win, he went on to say that, you know, God showed me something. I'm not following God to the White House. I'm not following God to the governor's mansion. Right. I'm not following God to all these different places. He's that I I hope he'll take me, or I think he's leading me. I follow God just to follow Him. Right. And that really hit me. Because <clears throat> when it comes to contentment, you know, I follow, I, I'm trying my best to be content with God just because He's God. Because I love God. And when I'm content with God, then it doesn't matter what's given to me or what's not given to me. I'm content. You know, little things like my car. People say, oh, are you ever going to get a new car? I'm like, why? My car runs fine. I'm like, yeah, but isn't it at like, over 200,000 miles? I say, no, it's like over 240,000 miles. <laughs> like, but if it works fine, I take good care of it. And I'm not saying getting a new car is wrong, but there's certain areas of our lives where if, if we need to learn to be content, you know, and if I can learn to be content with just solely God, then nothing else matters. Right. And whatever comes my way, good or bad, won't matter. Like when we talk about these things about how in California for how convenient it is that they put this new mandate in for the month during the holidays. And people are complaining about the we have to wear masks indoors, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't care because I'm content with God. So who cares about the put on a mask? So he took away, you know, the freedom of not wearing a mask indoors for a while. Okay, I'm still content because I'm content with God. And if I need to be content with God and my my the, these small itty-bitty freedoms I once had a few years ago, then am I truly content with God? Or are there things in my life I need to work on? Am I content with God and hoping this president gets in? Or am I content with God regardless of who gets in the office? You know, it says be content with with such things as you have. So whatever you have, just be content with. That's not to say it's nothing wrong to be rich. There are very, there are a lot of even athletes out there who are strong Christians. Drew Brees, from what I've read and seen, he's a strong Christian. But he probably has over $100 million in his bank account. There's nothing wrong with being rich. It, even though certain people would say it is. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's these people who aren't content. You know the people who most aren't content are the athletes 
who eventually go broke because they had to have more and more things, more and more wild parties. Contentment has much more to do with what you are on the inside rather than what you have. The Apostle Paul had the right idea in Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Not that I speak <clears throat> in regard to... <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not content with my voice. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. People take that last verse out of context all the time. Oh, I can do anything. Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> but in reality, what he's saying is, if I have nothing, I can still survive because Christ strengthens me. Right. If I have everything, I can still I can still live in this you know clear mindset because Christ strengthens me. Sometimes when we have the whole world, we lose sight of God. Why is it you hear so many testimonies, and I'm glad it's a testimony. I'm glad people came to God. But why is it so many people clearly have found God once they hit rock bottom? Because that's when they had nothing. Sometimes when you consume, 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 it's easy to miss God. And maybe that's why there's so many people who get caught up in consumerism, and they think they're twice a, one one of the services that they go to uh, a year is the is Christmas. They go to Easter and Christmas, right? And they go to Christmas on top of buying the 30, 40 gifts and, and living lavishly and doing these things. And then they add an hour of God in and they think they're good. Right. That's, the, to me, the definition of consumerism. And I want to end with this one, one more quote by, by, by a millionaire named Bernard Barch. He said, how much money does it take for a rich man to be satisfied? Someone asked him that. And this is a millionaire. And he said, just a million more than he has. Mm. How much... Money does it take for a rich man to be satisfied? He said, "Just a million more than he has, because we'll never be satisfied." Right. You just, you know, you, you win in some game and you want to win again. You go eighty-one and one in the NBA. You want to go eighty-two and zero. You know what I mean? You win five championships in a row. Someone says, "I want to win six in a row." Right. Just no one. You could be the greatest guy, the greatest athlete ever, and those athletes will still tell you, "I still remember this game where I only scored ten points. It just bothered me." When, when people ask Tom Brady what his favorite ring is, and he says the next one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, you know, it's no that, one is that ever of, yeah. content. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do want to touch a bit on that idea of contentment and satisfaction with money. Um, but another thing too, I don't know which one I want to talk about first, but the other thing too with consumerism is that it often is, um, as much as it is about us trying to find that satisfaction, it can also be about distraction and trying to, you know, ignore our discontent in a sense, right? Um, you know, so I think that it's, it's another way of looking at it, right? We consume because we think it'll satisfy us, but also because it distracts us from the discontent mm -hmm. we're in in the moment. Um, you know, while you're saying, I remember this quote it's from a show called Squid Game. It's really popular right now, but I don't recommend anybody watch it because it's very graphic and violent. Um, but basically the concept of the show is it's about these rich people who have this like Hunger Games type you know, thing where these mm -hmm. poor people fight to win money, whatever. Um, but at the end of the show, us. yeah, <laughs> us fighting for money. Uh, but at the end of the show, the creator of these games is on his deathbed with the winner of the games, and he's kind of like asking, like, why did you do this? Why did you put this together? And he said, you know, the the one thing that poor people and rich people have in common is that eventually life gets boring. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the point he was trying to make is that, you know, for the person who has no money, they can't do anything because they have no money. But for the rich person, they have so much that everything eventually becomes boring to them, right? Because, and it's true when you think about it, like if you had, you know, a, a $10 billion, right? More money than you could, you know, theoretically spend in a lifetime, everything would become boring, right? You know, you buy a new house, great. You know, you've already had 20. You're going to get bored of that house, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. kind of like you said, you know, there's, there's always one more step you can take it and that's never going to quite be enough, right? Once you take that step, well, there's going to be one more step. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's never going to bring about any of that contentment. Um, in Ecclesiastes, right, written by Solomon, who was not only the wisest man to ever live, but probably very, very wealthy, at least for his time. You know, he would have been very well off. Um, in, in chapter 5, verse 10, he says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity, right? And coming from Solomon, that's pretty, you know, clear in what he's trying to say, in that, like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm wise and I'm rich, and yet money isn't enough to satisfy, right? Mm-hmm. Later on in, in chapter 12, verse 13, he says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And that's basically what you're saying is that, you know, contentment really comes from our relationship with God, mm-hmm. not what we can take in and consume to satisfy us, right? Even that word consumerism makes me think of when we eat, right? Yeah. We can sit down and have a fantastic meal, the best meal we'd ever eat, right? Which we'll probably never have, but... Oh, I, <laughs> like, I've had it. <laughs> but like the absolute pinnacle of, of food and eight hours later, you're going to be hungry again. Well, right. you would be like two days. Right, for me, it'd be about two or three days. But yeah. for the average person, you know, eight hours later, you're going to be hungry again, mm-hmm. regardless of how great that meal was, you know. And just as likely if you go and eat McDonald's, right? Garbage. Yeah, you're still going to be hungry eight hours later, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's the image that comes to my mind when I hear that word consumerism, is taking something in for that moment of, you know, this is nice distraction or this is pleasing but eventually the time will come when that's no longer enough and and again like you said that doesn't mean it's wrong to be wealthy it doesn't mean it's wrong to have money or have comfort but the question becomes what are you doing with that money and with those comforts right are they there merely to distract you and to try to make life better for you or are they you know, just there in a sense, I guess, right? Yeah. Is the best way I could put it. Because if that is there as your source of comfort and satisfaction, then you're not going to get it. And not only you're not going to get it, but you're going to ignore everything else that does deserve our attention. Mm-hmm. But if you're focused on God, if your contentment comes from God, if you're putting that money and resources and time back into the church and back into the, your local community then not only will you be satisfied, but then that time you are spending consuming or, you know, using your money can actually be somewhat enjoyable, you know, can actually mm-hmm. be enjoyable, I guess. And so, when you, you help know? in those areas and you fill that time with helping others, you get consumed in the sense that some people, they're not content and they want to do more of that. And that's a good right. thing to not be content with. I want to serve even more. I mean, I know you don't want to burn out, but when you serve like the... 
homo shelter, you serve your church. There's this desire to want to do more if if it's of God. Right. You know, you're gonna want to do more. You're gonna want to tell more people about Jesus, and that's okay in that sense to do more. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know if there's anything else I want to add on that, but I, I guess the that second idea of you know consumerism can serve as somewhat of a distraction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously this is our Christmas message, if you will, and you happy know, holidays, <laughs> happy holidays. Um, at this period of time and during the season, you know, all you see when you go to stores and places is Christmas stuff, right? I mean, most stores start putting up Christmas decorations or sales or toys, you know, beginning in November, right? Yeah. And when I look at that stuff, not only is it kind of momentary distractions but it's distracting in terms of what christmas is about mm-hmm. right in, in a much in a kind of a different uh path you know away from more general consumerism to more christmas consumerism it, it does serve as a distraction from what we should be focused on mm-hmm. and this is true really any time of the year but specifically around christmas time it's all about i gotta get gifts for people right i gotta get decorations i gotta you know, one up my neighbor's decorations. I have to, mm-hmm. whatever the case is, and we get caught up in, in the consumption of this holiday, and the, the show of it all, right? Mm-hmm. That we forget what we're actually supposed to be celebrating. You know, and again, that's not to say giving gifts is bad. It's not to say decorations are bad. But if that is your primary focus, then you're going to be missing out, and you're not going to be happy when everything is said and done. Sometimes yeah. we put Christmas before the cross. Yeah, exactly. Or I guess you could say we put Christmas in front of the cross. It's like <clears throat> we're blocking the view of the cross this time and season. Now, I know <clears throat> historians, some people want to argue, it was it exactly you know on December 25th? Born in the summer. And this and that. <laughs> but it's the point being is in this season, one, some people, some people, they put the tree in front of the cross and this and that. They get more... Heck, how many people say that are going to miss services during this season because, well, I just had to get stuff ready for this family gathering or in, in our area, it, it'll rain a little bit. And like, then you see <laughs> a downtrend of people because it rained, you know, and it's just an excuse to be by the fire and have the Christmas lights on and Christmas music playing. And it's like, we've put in the, the Christmas, you know, in front of the cross, we've placed it there, right? you know, and that's, that's where I have a problem. And look at this. Great possessions are generally accompanied with pride, idleness, and luxury. And these are the greatest enemies to salvation. Mm. And I think that's so true. The more we want, the more we will strive to get, and the more we'll feel empty as long as we don't have it. And the moment we have it is the moment a little bit later we want something more, bigger, better, stronger, faster, hotter, whatever it may be. And then eventually it's never never enough i like what one person said property between to divide property between covetous men is to prepare for future strife to make men free from covetousness is to make peace you want to be content with all you have stop thinking about what your neighbor has right and in your heart say god okay help me to make peace in my heart this person might have a lot and i might be envious of them but help me to just be content with you, 
you know. Um, I like this quote right here. Um, uh, when we live with the attitude that our life does consist in what we possess, we live in covetousness. Mm. You know, when we live with the attitude that our life does consist in what we possess, we live in covetousness. And if you look at Colossians 3, 5, it talks about how covetousness is basically idolatry. Right. When we covet what other people have, when we want that person has that, and then so they go to the store and they have to get something bigger and better. And why why are we consuming these things? Why are we such on this consumer? Now, I'm not against people buying things. You know, like my second job, I work for a guy who has a locksmith and um, we do actually, a locksmith and safe company. I sell safes. Is it wrong that people buy safes and consume? No, because that's helping our business. I was there today for just a few hours, five hours. I sold two safes, probably about 29, 27, 2900 worth of safes, you know. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that because I, that's good for our business. There's nothing wrong with wanting like your business to, to succeed. But when people go out there and they just want to consume, consume, consume. And it's like, well, I only need one safe, but they buy three, you know. Hey, that's good for us, but still, that's their consumerism. They you they I don't know if they still do it today, but they have an NFL rookie training camp weekend where, at one point, all the rookies that were signed they'd go to this weekend thing where they would give them tips. And this guy Herman Edwards, who who was a coach for many years in the '90s and 2000s, and maybe even early 2010s, Christian guy, even wrote a devotional book. And he gave them talks because so many players would go broke after a few years. And these guys think they're going to play forever and they're going to have everything. And he said, look, if you are not married and it's just you, you know, how many houses do you need? And everyone would be like, one. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm okay with one or just an apartment, you know, just for now, you know. You know, how many cars do you need if there's only one of you? Well, just one. But see, that's a great point. Why are we trying to live with more than we need? In reality, all we need is Jesus. And when we go to work, we work our butts off with a great attitude. And whatever comes our way, we'll take it. Whatever comes our way, we will use it to further the kingdom. And we'll be content with what we have. Right. You know, my brothers, when they were younger, before I was born, had to be content with like Fruity Loops. (laughs) You know, the store brand... Effing, I mean, freaking, I'm working on my language. It's cereal. Thank you, Mark. Cereal. And, it, it, and it's garbage. Like, I'll tell you, some people said there's no difference. There is a difference. But by the time I grew up, and I was the only one in the house, really, we got to get Fruit Loops. Ooh. Not Fruity Loops. Fruit Loops. Now I'm 30. After a bowl of that, my stomach doesn't feel right. You know, that's why I go to multi-grain Cheerios. Um, but you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm content with that, but that's just what was given to me. If you were born in a poor family, be content with what you have. If you were born into a rich family, be content with what you have. When my brothers grew up and there was a lot of people in and out of our house, they had to be content with what they had. They had to be content with the Fruity Loops, you know. And my parents, once once my brothers and sisters got out of the house, we had a little more money because of that. I I got to be content with Fruit Loops, you know. So whatever, you grow up poor, you grow up rich. You grow up in a great neighborhood, a bad neighborhood. Learn to be content. Is it okay to be ambitious and strive for more? Is it okay to say, man, 
Like you're from the Coachella. I just live near Indio Boulevard, and it's just a really bad street. Prostitution, drugs, lots of the train track. Is it okay to say, you know what? When I grow up, I want to try to move out of here. Or I want to save up money and help my parents get get a better place off of this batter. There's nothing wrong with that. But when these things consume us, and when they get in the way of tithing, when they get in the way of loving God, when they get in the way of giving to the to the real poor and needy, when they get in the way of helping and praying for our missionaries, and get in the way of giving food giving food away at food drives, or giving money so people can do that, when they get in, in the way of doing the gospel, living out the gospel, talking the gospel, breathing the gospel, then that's consuming something that is not of God. Right. These things like food, he's given us food, he's given us these different things, and that is of God. But when we use that and put it in front of God, now we've taken what God has made, or the things humans made, which God made humans, we've taken those things and we've made it in our own likeness. We've made it in the likeness of what how we want it to be, and now it's being consumed in such a way it goes against God. God wants me to be a hard worker. And if I can afford a regular car to get to work on time, he's okay with that. But when I, I strive to get two or three cars and I try, strive to live, I make $100 a day, but I'm, I'm spending $102 a day. He has a problem with that. He does. We think, oh, you can spend your money how you want. It's not, no. How we consume, with what God has given us, are we using it wisely? Or are we just being freaking idiots with it? Right. Yeah. Um... I want to read a parable real quick from the Gospels, and then I don't know where I'll go from there. All right, what, but I like everything what, you said. Thank you. What's the, what's the parable? Uh, it's the parable of the rich fool, which I feel like. Oh, I was going to read that earlier, but oh. <laughs> I didn't want to keep going, so I thought I might take some verses that, right. that you... Um, well, I'll go ahead and read it then. Um, so it's make sure, Luke 12, verse 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I was just reading comments from that. Oh, just that first one? Uh, yeah, that part. We'll keep going. <laughs> the first no. verse. I do like that verse. Some guy in the crowd is like, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my Right money. after Jesus like, <laughs> gave this, told this message. You like, know. Yeah. It's just such a trivial thing. Um, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store, <coughs> store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Um, James kind of echoes something similar in, in chapter 4, uh, James chapter 4. He says, um, paraphrasing, he basically says, uh, don't say that, you know, tomorrow I'll do this or go to that city. Um, he says, verse 14, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if this is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Um, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Um, and I read both of those because I think they're somewhat similar. You have the parable where Jesus is saying, look, you have this, this rich man who, who got all this grain, he stored it up, and he's going to sit back and enjoy life. But God says, you know, you're basically going to die today. What is all this grain? 
what matters is are you rich towards me towards god mm-hmm. and then james echoes and says you know don't boast in tomorrow because you don't really know what tomorrow is going to bring so live mm-hmm. for today live for god in this moment now and i think that that is sort of how we should look at consumerism again kind of summing up a lot of what we said is you know it's you know jesus in the parable wasn't condemning the rich man because he had all the grain rather it was because he was sitting back and wasn't really thinking about his relationship towards god and his eternity and his attorney yeah he was thinking oh i'll just kick it back and god's like no you're gonna die today you know what do you have towards me right it wasn't that he was rich it was how he reacted towards god and you see this a lot when Jesus interacts with wealthy people. It's not their wealth that Jesus condemns. It's how that wealth has affected their view and of what him. what did they do with that wealth? And what they did with it. Um, there's a story that I really like, and I'm pulling it from one of my old sermon notes, of a guy named R.G. Le Tourneau. You really don't delete anything from your phone. No, I save all my uh, because, sermon notes. Because your sermon notes from, I'm guessing, young adults? Yeah, so this would have been like six 16, years ago. 2016, 2017. Did, did, the, I delete everything. Like I delete text messages <laughs> when the conversation's over. I delete, I'm having a conversation with my mom. Once the conversation's over, I swipe, and that's it. But you have convers you probably have conversations with me on that phone from like. Oh, yeah, I could as, probably, long as, as long as I've had this phone. <laughs> but every time you get a new phone, you have to. Yeah, I don't have my old ones, but yeah. So I, you don't have all the old stuff. No. On. Okay. It, but good, anyways, good. Um, so this guy Lay Torno um, invented Earth movie machines, like bulldozers things like that i don't know what specifically but basically he he, as a result was very very wealthy and he was making boatloads of money um but what he did was he gave away 90 percent of his income to charity different things like that right Mm -hmm. only kept i guess enough for him to survive and live somewhat comfortably but 90 percent is still a lot right but what ended up happening is he kept making money faster than he could give it away Right, So he'd be giving money away and he'd be making more back. And this is what he said. Um, he said, I shovel it out and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. And I love that quote. And, and you know, the idea is that even though he was given so much, he was still, it was still coming back in. And I share this not be, to say that, again, wealth isn't the problem. It's not having money, right? This guy was clearly making boatloads of money, but what he did right was he gave it away. He... You know, I don't know if he gave it to a church or just charities, but he was doing something fruitful with that money beyond just making himself more comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And making his life better, you know? And as a result, God kept shoveling that money in, right? And it kept coming back in. Mm-hmm. And this is true of, you know, even something as simple as giving our 10% when we tithe, right? It can feel like a lot, you know what I mean? That's at the end of the month, that's 40% of your depending on how you break it up, you know, it's still, it's a lot of money. And it can hurt sometimes to give that 10% of our income. But, you know, it, it ultimately, if we're doing it with the right heart, that money will come back in far greater than what we could have yeah. dished out, you know. And even those if it blessings doesn't, will this, come this, in. Is, yeah. this is our eternity. Right. And, and yeah, that's the end of the day. It's, again, not about what we can get. It's about are we rich towards God. And what we can give. Yeah. I don't... The right mindset for someone is, look at all I have, and what can I give? Right. You know, what of this can I give, and how can I give it? Whereas the person who's full of covetousness and consumerism says, look at what I have, 
I don't have enough. I need more. Yeah. And it, and it's, I think of one of the OGs who's one of the non-cheesy 80s and 90s Christian artists, Rich Mullins. We watched his yeah. movie. Yeah. And this guy became famous for his song, Awesome God. Our mm-hmm. God is awesome God. I'm not going to sing it. I just did. <laughs> there you go. There's your Christmas present. And he wrote a lot of Debbie Downer songs, but the the producers would not let him, you know, put out a CD because like, oh, for Christian music, this is too, you're speaking too much feelings, Debbie Downers, it needs to be, you know, up to the about God. Well, so he was stuck just writing music for other artists, just these, these songs that he didn't really feel in his heart. It was just, he was a good writer and they were producing hits for other artists. Well, eventually he wrote Awesome God, he got famous, he, then they started letting him do CDs and he got even more famous, but eventually he just hated it. Yeah. He hated all the money. He hated all the fame. And there was even a point where they gave him a, a, like a nice Jeep. And he was just so fed up with how they were wanting him to record, how they were wanting him to do these things. And they're like, and we got this new motorcycle. You know, do you still want all this nice stuff? Because you got to do it how we want it. And he got so fed up, he just said, here, take the motorcycle. I mean, he kept going because he needs something, you know. He's like, here, keep the motorcycle. And he went, eventually, with all the money he was making... He decided he was going to move to this Indian reservation where he was going to teach kids how to, you know, instruments, teach them different things like teach these kids on a poor Indian reservation just how to learn different instruments, the mandolin, you know, guitar, just piano, teach them all these things, you know. And eventually he told his um, financial planner, you know, what is the amount, the average amount of money, I forget what year it was because every year it changes, but... What in a certain year he said, what is the average amount of money in America that that a family makes or like a single person makes, and and his financial planner told him how much like the medium the average is, right. and he just said give me that, and then he said give the rest to some charities, and then I think he gave her like a little bit of a raise, you know gave her some extra money, and then give the rest to charities and give me the the average amount, right? Because he hated the fame, he liked doing music. But he was known to just do his his shows and then just want to leave right after. Not because he hated the fans, but because he just hated this idea of what, even in the Christian industry, what Christian music had become in, in this in this showing of, of all these lights and stuff. Look at these bands when they get bigger. Like, I'm going to call them out, like Hillsong or something, where the bigger they get, now they have to have bigger stadiums, which I get because you have more people want to see, but now you have to have lights a certain way. You have to have all these certain things. And it's like, what have we come to? You hear these stories of these churches in the middle of nowhere with 50 people. And someone walks in and they get this radical sense of the Holy Spirit. And there's no, you know, whistles and and there's no all these nice things. And yet you go to a a, a huge church. I'm not knocking all these churches. But they have people there at 4 in the morning setting up the lights and how they're going to move during this song. And it's like... We have become so consumed even within our services yeah. that the worship pastor or the, the head pastor, they're not content with just a regular building with lights. They have to have certain lights. They have to have the newest soundboard. They have to have all these things. And it's like, what have we become? We've cared more about what we have and don't have here on earth instead of caring about what we have and don't have in eternity. And that's where it's a problem. Look at the verse you were reading earlier. One of them had said, um, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. 
This guy was <clears throat> rich. He 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 was even had anxiety because he didn't know what he was gonna do with everything he had. It says here in one night, all the man's accomplishments and plans were ruined. He made business plans and life plans, but could not control the day of his death. Yeah. And all his accomplishments and plans were instantly nothing. Another thing, the man was a fool, not because he was rich, but because he lived without any awareness of and preparation for eternity. Look at how many celebrities we've seen throughout the last 30, 40 years that have committed suicide. Overdose. Athletes. Celebrities. You would think they'd be happy with all that they have. The hottest models by their side. You know, uh, I don't know why I just popped on like the best jacuzzis. You know, like they have the best things, you know. They right. stay in these hotels that are like 2000 a night, but yet they get comped because they're a celebrity. They have everything they want. And in all honesty, if they can think it, they can probably make it because they have the money to do that. The amount of money some of these, you know, some of these celebrities that they're they're I've seen stories where like their son or daughter will have like their sweet usually the daughter will have a sweet sixteen and they'll be like twenty thirty thousand dollars spent just on the party alone, you know. Yet they're still not happy. Yet they're still not content, you know, because your soul will be required of you. You know, when it says that this is the language of obligation, this man owned his life, his livelihood, and his wealth to God. But most of all, he owed his soul to God, and it would be required of him. It was obligated to God every day of his life, but would be required on the day of his death. Every day we should be striving for God, because on the day that we die, it will be required of us our soul. And where was your soul? Was it in consumerism or was it fully trying to serve the church? Giving what you have. Yeah, paying your bills. Getting food you need. Living to survive. But God's going to look at the soul and see how many times you you decide you want to live with extra instead of helping your neighbor. How many times you want to live with extra in an abundance. More than you really needed to instead of helping those who don't have much. Instead of being there for people. Instead of doing all these different things. Right. How many people, I've heard of stories of people who most typical jobs, you get one week or two weeks vacation per year, right? And how, and there are people out there who spend their week or two weeks vacation with their husband or wife and they go on the mission field and they, and they build sustainable housing or they do something, you know, where they help other people out. On the, on the one time of the year, they can have this free time. They're spending it serving God and God's going to look at them and when he looks at their soul on judgment day, He's going to look at them and be very happy. He's not going to be happy with the pastors who needed 10 TVs in their church, who needed the, the $50,000 worth of, of, of moving lights. You know what bothers me? And there's even friends I have that I like that are in church right now. In a time of need, in a time of crisis right now, their church, their, some of these churches are, campaign, are um, campaigning to raise more money so they can do a building project, so they can redo their sanctuary. Instead of trying to remake and change and better your sanctuary why don't you use that money to remake the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission why don't you use that money to change people's lives by doing food drives and giving away things for people that they could use that could further the gospel instead of trying to bring more lights cameras and action to your service that is doing a disgrace to God it's like God when he flipped over the tables in the temple 
because they were selling things, and it just be it just became a marketplace right. in the church. And sometimes I think people pitch the offering plate as a way to to make it a marketplace in the church because we need this, this, and that. And no, it's not just Joe Olstein; it's the churches down the street, yeah. and it's not just the big church because there are small churches that take this money and they abuse it. I know a little church in Indio back in the day years ago where the church got it was a small church and the pastor got caught for fraud because he was taking money from the offering and doing all these things because he was not content with what he had and luckily uh, 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 they brought in another pastor who's a godly man and i know their associate slash youth pastor who's an amazing man and they're bringing that church back to life but it doesn't matter if it's big or small the church itself pastors leaders they have been filled with consumerism in building their sanctuary, in building these church empires that will all die, that will all go to shambles, that will all fall a freaking part. Mm. Where is your soul? Is it in giving what you have and being content? Or is it always wanting more? Because if you always want more, you will lose your soul on Judgment Day. Right. Wow. Bam. Uh, and this is without eating candy in Matt's off, Pastor Matt's <laughs> office. Because I couldn't find it, so... It's all right there. Oh, it is. Um, I guess it's a good time for closing thoughts. Uh, my closing thought is I'm going to see if these Twizzlers and these Starbursts are still good. Cause the They're last definitely time, not. They're definitely not. And the gummy good. bears feel kind of hard. But um, guarantee you they're not we're talking good, about consumerism, and I'm going to consume some candy here. You can hear it. Look, Twizzlers. It sounds hard as a rock. Yeah. So I'm going to look at the lines. So I'm going to hand this out to kids that annoy me today. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, these are really hard. But no, my final thoughts would be pretty much what I just said. It's not just a worldly thing. Consumerism has crept in the church. Yeah. And it's not just crept into the, the mega churches. I was talking to a buddy the other day, and he mentioned some big mega church pastors that a lot of people like to crap on. You know, yet in the area where he lived, some of those megachurch pastors brought some planes full of relief packages, an airplane or two just full of relief packages. They put in thousands upon thousands of dollars rebuilding some of these businesses. So we can crap on the Joe Olsteins. And yeah, I have my theological problems with them big time. And I have problems with, with, their, with their secretness of how much he makes and different right. uh, some of these leaders make. But I'm not saying all of them are bad because some of them do a lot with their money. There are people who have a lot of money who do good with it. But we need to be careful because it's crept into the church, big and small. It's crept into the hearts of those who attend church, and it's not good. Money in itself is not bad, but what you do with it can be. Yeah. Boom. Wow. Um, yeah, I want to read a quick quote. Um, quick. Hey, from, two pings. Hey. Uh, from Jim Carrey. The most um, godly man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a weirdo, but I like this quote. Well, before you do that, look how hard this... That's that sounds, that sounds delicious. And you know what? I'm still going to try it. Absolutely Thank you, delicious. Pastor Matt. Um, he says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Mm. Simple quote, but it, it's so true. And this is, again, coming from Jim Carrey, a very successful... Uh, actor, you know, he's not some scrub on the streets, right? And, and he says, you know, I wish everybody could have what they wanted and dreamed of so they could realize it's not enough. It's not the answer. And, and so my closing thoughts here is that, um, you know, the the issue, again, as we've said, is not 
having the money. It's not having these things, right? It's okay to enjoy life and to live comfortably. It's okay to have those things, but is it taking away from what really matters and our, more importantly, our pursuit of God, right? And, and, you know, especially as Christmas is probably when we upload this will be next week, you know, as we're coming into the Christmas weekend, you know, you know, it's okay to enjoy the gifts and enjoy the time of family, enjoy the good food and the decorations and, you know, whatever else goes on over that weekend. But as long as we're doing it in remembrance of what the point of that holiday is and, you know, why we're there and why we're going to church that weekend and, and, you know, what we're supposed to be doing with our, our lives and, you know, and not getting so wrapped up in what can I get out of this or how is this going to make me feel better, you know. And, and so I think, again, that as I mentioned at the beginning, I think the common theme is, you know, where are we putting our priorities, right? Where are we putting our heart and our, our focus and our mind, right? That's what really matters, you know. Everything else can come and go and will follow as long as we're pursuing the right things, you know. And so that's my closing thought. And I to agree with what you said. The issue is not having the money. The issue is what we do with it. You know, the issue is not, you know, buying new things or going out to eat or, in a sense, consuming. The problem is why are we consuming and what is leading us to want more things? And are we, at our core, focused on the right things or are we simply focused on more, more, more? Right. That's good. As we end here, last thing I want to focus on is these Harboro Gold Bears. It's not all gold. On the packaging it says best before end 10 uh, 2022. But they're like hard as a rock, people. And then the, the two pack of Starburst, you know, you get the big bag and they come with, there's not even expiration. Maybe on the bag, but not in the little individual bags. That's worrisome for me. I'm sure there's a message here about consuming. It says not labeled for retail sale, and it has some codes. I'm still going to try them, but I haven't pulled the red. I've only pulled pink and the gold bears. Anyways, um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Again, pinks, why can't you give me red? Um, this is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. Um, we were talking about consumerism, and what are you going to do about it? What are your thoughts on it? Um, you can tell us, you can email us, or you can just start living uh, uh, in a way that will better um, give you a, a, a better chance to reach people for Jesus. And if you're so caught up in possessions and things, you will miss the point of the gospel. So um, we thank you guys for listening. This is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. And don't eat hard Starburst. Happy holidays. <laughs>